I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming out! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Well, in contravention to our understanding of linear time, it is still January, but hope springs in the form of an Ireland squad named on Thursday. We've got that to chat about with Murray Kinsella, as well as four pretty huge games for the provinces as well in Europe this coming weekend. Busy one. Murray, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, it is a busy one. I'm heading to Toulouse tomorrow morning, bright and early, and can't wait to see how Munster get on down there and see Toulouse playing live. It's always a, a real treat, but there's loads of brilliant rugby on all over the place. And as you say, the Ireland squad has thrown up a few big talking points. So um, this is a good time of year for us rugby diehards. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely massive squad announcement on Thursday. Let's dig into it. We did have a chat yesterday with Johnny Holland about Joey Carberry's omission, about what he saw in that out-half picture and who could be conceivably second choice and how that all might shake out. Had you any inkling that Carberry might be left out before the squad was announced, Mark? No, I think I was as surprised as most in this case um, because he's been really ever-present. Every single time he's been fit and available, he's been picked. Every time Johnny Sexton has been missing and Joey Carberry's been there, he's been picked. You know, you look at the the minutes played under under Andy Farrell for for the outhaves. Johnny Sexton obviously top of the list with nearly 1,400. There's Joey Carberry, number two. 1,000 minutes he's played under Andy Farrell. Six of those have been starts. And then you have Ross Byrne, Jack Crowley and, and Harry Byrne obviously racking up n- notably less minutes uh, under Farrell. So it is a, a reversal of what we've seen. I think he's been playing good solid rugby and and had been on a bit of a, a run, a bit of rhythm to his game. He looked comfortable. Um, so it is a it is a bit of a shock. But for me, this is more about Ross Burns form, to be honest. Like I know it's not the headline, but to me it's the story. Is Ross Byrne in really excellent form, having fixed and improved bits of his game that Aaron said, listen, you've got to be better at that, or you're not going to be part of our plans. You know, he's challenging the game line. He's he looks like a different player almost with his skill level, tipping on passes one-handed finding space with his passing game, challenge the line more. And he has all the strengths that he always has in terms of his game management. His kicking off the tee has gone to another level as well. His accuracy out of hand is unbelievable. His 50-22 kick against Gloucester showed his kind of vision in, in the backfield. And obviously he's part of a, an impressive Leinster machine, but he's contributing massively to that. So yeah, it is a, it's a big shock, I'm sure, for Joey Carberry himself to have to have dealt with. But you can't argue with the fact that Ross Byrne deserves his shot now he's earned it and like that's the good thing about Andy Farrell I know people would love to see a squad of uncapped players named every time it seems to me because there's always outcry but he is open-minded and even with a player he's invested so much in he's open-minded enough to say okay you might not be my guy and the other element of that is that every time he's or most times he's done this with a player I think notably James Lowe who got dropped uh, after a kind of run of bad for- performances for Ireland. And honestly, at that time, if you'd asked people, they would have said, he's not an international winger. A lot of people would have said. But he told James Lowe what he needed to do. He went away, he improved it, and he came back and is a key guy for Ireland. Gavin Coombs in November got dropped from the squad midway through the campaign with a specific set of lists, a specific set of things he needed to improve on. He's done exactly that. He's back in the squad now, deservedly. And I'm guessing that Andy Farrell would hope something very similar happens here. You know, you've... 
you've got a, a, a rocket up your hole with, with Joey Carberry now. You know, there's competition there that maybe wasn't as strong over the last number of years. And yeah, he's got a battle to, to get back in and hopefully return a, a better player. It would have been my interpretation of the situation all right that it was Byrne who was selected over Carberry and that Jack Crowley was brought into that role that Farrell has allotted in his squad uh, typically for an out half of the future to expose them to that um, environment, to pretty much every move you're running on the training ground. Also, if needs be, to actually blood them as Jack Crowley was against the Wallabies in November. But I guess with a, a longer term view and that it does. It wouldn't necessarily mean that they're third in the pecking order as such or in the Ireland depth chart, but that they have the potential to be number one at some point. Is that a fair assessment? And, and that's not to disrespect Crowley necessarily, but just that like a lot of people will wonder, well, why are you picking a guy who isn't starting out half at Munster and leaving out the guy who was starting ahead of him at out half specifically for Munster? Yeah, it's a really interesting part of it because again, all the headlines are, Carberry out, burn in, but but uh, there's no mention of Crowley in anything like that. And yeah, absolutely, there's an element of that. They've they're very excited about the the ceiling that Jack Crowley has and what they've seen of him as a personality and the the further potential he has. And I think they're it, it's very hard to kind of resist that at the moment. They think he can continue this upward trajectory that he's clearly on even if Joey Carberry is starting 10 ahead of him in, in Munster. Um, and I think Jack Crowley has very strong ideas about that in Munster. Like in his mind, he's going to be the starting 10 sooner rather than later. He's that forceful personality. Obviously, his respect for his competition and, and likes playing with Joey Carberry and and they get on well off the pitch, etc. But he's he wants to be the main man. He wants to run the show from the number 10 shirt. And um, yeah, that's fascinating to follow how that happens in, in Munster. But with Ireland, I think they feel we've got to have this guy in here because his ceiling's so high. They really liked what he did for Emerging Ireland. You know, he wasn't even in the Ireland squad, senior squad in, in November, but as events transpired, he got in there and, and took his chance. And he's got a hell of a lot still to learn about it. That's one campaign with Ireland. We know that their attack in particular is quite intricate. There's all sorts of game plan bits you need to learn around that. Obviously, Joey Carberry knows it inside out better than anyone. And they obviously feel that keeping Crowley on that learning curve is a, is a really important part of it. But at the same time, it'll be fascinating to see who's on the bench in Cardiff, you know. Wouldn't surprise me if it's Ross Byrne, to be honest, and and uh, and he backs up sex in that way. But Crowley showed in November that he's got the head for these heights and he's a good option there too. Yeah, Johnny Holland, who was the guest on yesterday's members pod as coach Crowley for Cork Con. Johnny is the head coach at Con at the moment. He was really fascinating on what he's like behind the scenes, late night training sessions, chatting about rugby until the lights go off, that sort of thing, and then still completing his kicking practice. So asking them to flick the lights back on at Temple Hill, I'm sure the uh, the staff there and the, and the volunteers are absolutely delighted with them. But uh, it's members.42.e if you want to swing back and hear that chat. We went through the entire squad as well, Murray, yesterday, just in terms of the most interesting or contentious calls, some of the guys who were most unlucky to miss out. I don't think we necessarily need to go over all of that with you, but I am curious as to what else caught your eye about the squad. What did you find most interesting about it outside of that out half dilemma slash selection? Yeah, I think the rest of it is pretty long what I expected to see. And I know there's been a lot of discussion around, oh, Conor Murray and Keith Earls are still in there, but knowing how highly Andy Farrell regards and his, and his assistant coach regard those players, it's not a surprise to me at all that they're in there. And Conor Murray's form and contributions with Ireland 
over the last while have been good. I know he's lost his starting place, but he's been strong off the bench. That South Africa game where he did start and got injured, I thought he was playing well until that injury and showed that he absolutely is still of that level. He's got a battle of a different kind in Munster and, and that's fascinating. He's back on the bench in Toulouse and you know if the game is tight at the end, there's no better man to, to be bringing on. Uh, and Keith Earls has, hasn't really played all that we- much since uh, November missing out then and probably hasn't played all that well. But again... Farrell absolutely respects what he brings to the mix uh, in terms of experience, his knowledge of the backfield, his almost coaching influence in that regard now and and helping others understand different pictures on the pitch. He's a brilliant defender. He still has a lot to offer going forward, I think, even though he's you know in those kind of twilight years for a, a wing and he's a really good um, squad person off the pitch, for, for want of a better phrase. He's like a... You know, he brings people together in a good way. He's a good influence on the squad. And we know how good Andy Farrell has been to him around other stuff off the pitch. And there's just that respect there. He's very close to 100 caps. And I, I know for a fact that Andy Farrell wants him to get there as well. And and those things really matter to Farrell. And I think that's actually been a, a positive this squad is that they make a big deal of those milestones, etc. So they weren't shocks for me. I suppose the one who is, in my mind, a little bit luckier to be in there is, is Jacob Stockdale, who's he's probably just struggled to get back to the heights that were remarkable back in 2018 and it's almost harsh in a way to to think he should be back there all the time but we know that that's what he's capable of he's definitely like I thought he started this season well he looked really strong in contact and he looked more confident as Ulster have dipped away he has with it and and he probably is that kind of personality who feeds off the energy around him Um, but I think Ireland feel that they can get him back closer to where he was and that you know, if events kind of fall in his favour, that he's got that incredible ceiling. That, like, let's be honest, the back three players who miss out in this squad, they probably just don't have that. Maybe we'll never know because they won't get that chance at the highest level. But Stockdale can be a, an unbelievably dangerous weapon against the the very best teams. He also is probably just in terms of his left boot, he's like for like with low in that regard and. It's clear that they really rate that aspect of Lowe's game and having that long left-footed kicking game. So, you know, if Lowe wasn't available, he's back in New Zealand at the moment for for family, personal reasons. Um, and he's still over at the moment. Not sure what the latest um, outlook for him returning is, but, you know, Stockdale gives you that left-footed option and that power in contact as well, definitely. Um, but his form isn't too flash at the moment. Ulster obviously keeping fate with him and looks like they'll give him a new contract um, as he comes off the RFU deal. But um, yeah, Ireland think there's much more they can get out of him there as well. The three of the players, the last three players that you mentioned there probably contradict slightly this question that I wanted to put to you from Dan Healy. Dan asked, do you feel there should be a concern about a growing disconnect between Ireland and supporters outside of the Leinster slash Dublin area? Cohesion rather than form seems to have been the deciding factor when choosing between players for the Irish squad. Many apparent 50-50 calls went the way of Leinster players, such as Osborne, Baird, Jimmy O'Brien, and Joe McCarthy, etc., over equally deserving players from other provinces. The imbalance coming from Leinster players benefiting from playing within a system similar to Ireland's, uh, making it much more difficult for other players to break through. This has led to a continued dissolution between Ireland and its support. While it might be something that is missed outside of the Dublin media bubble, Murray, hashtag team of us, excuse me, hashtag team of us has never seemed further from the truth. Uh, thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. There's lots in that. Um, 
I've never really kind of bought into this perception of bias towards Leinster players. I think Leinster players have been rightly rewarded in many instances for their excellent form and excellent ability. Like Leinster are quite a bit ahead of the other provinces in terms of what, what they're able to do. Um, and I think Dan's mentioned there, the, the familiarity is actually like, of course, it's a positive. You know, there's so many... There's so much data backing up the fact that cohesion and familiarity with players around you is, is a really important factor in test rugby. Like some of the best test teams in, in the past have had groups of players from teams where they're very familiar with each other. Um, I, I'm not sure about the disillusionment as well. Like it's, it's an interesting email because I haven't heard a lot of that around Ireland, to be honest. Like I know lots of people who will be going up to the games, the two home games who've been lucky enough to get tickets from outside Dublin or Leinster and, and massively still support the team. I think the viewing figures on TV reflect that as well. They're continuing to, to grow and grow. So it's not something I've heard a huge amount about. And the predominance of Leinster players, in many cases, I feel is, is deserved. Even the, the guys that are mentioned there, like Jamie Osborne, has been shooting the lights out. He's been absolutely outstanding. As we've discussed in, in the members' pods, Gavs, like one of the best 21-year-old prospects anywhere, anywhere you look. And it's unbelievably exciting to to see if he gets opportunity or what he learns in camp and, and goes away and improves his game. Ryan Baird, I think, has been in absolutely outstanding form as well. And yeah, you could go through this individually. And it's interesting. That's how Dan might see it. I think a, someone from a different province might see it differently and, and their lens will be on it and think, you know, this player that I support and probably see a lot more of should be um, in the squad ahead of someone else. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. Like, this is Andy Farrell's opinion and Paul O'Connell's opinion and they're picking, like their job is to win games with Ireland. They're picking the guys they feel are absolutely going to give them the best chance of that. There's absolutely no regard for numbers. And, and even this has been put to Farrell in the past, maybe a number of Leinster players in the squad. He goes, I, I never even thought about that. Like, And it's very genuine. Like, They're just trying to pick the best squad. And their opinion is different to the provincial coaches, almost even more so than has been the case in the past, I would suggest. And even the makeup of their squad is based not just on provincial form or who starts for their province, but what skill sets they can they can bring. You know, like someone like McCarthy, they like his power and his energy and um yeah, how dominant he can be around contact as well. So yeah, it is it is opinion, I guess, and and obviously Dan's opinion is different to Andy Farrell's. I think it's key that you mentioned Paul O'Connell there, because it's not only Andy Farrell who makes the selection and this idea that there might be a Leinster bias or, or too heavy a leaning on Leinster um, doesn't really stack up. At least the bias wouldn't stack up when you consider the other people involved in selection. As you say, they're just making what they feel are objectively the best calls in order to achieve success with Ireland. And I often do think of O'Connell when we get questions, as we do quite routinely, about Sean Klein being overlooked in an Ireland context and uh, whether or not that's unfair. And Like, you know, if Paul O'Connell thought John Klein was the best available option to what he's trying to implement with his team at the moment, John Klein would be in the squad. Like it's, it's mm. simple as that, really. Like there's a lot of consultation involved in that process between all of the coaches. So um, I don't know. I, I, sorry, that's not having a go at Dan. Yeah, and it's disappointing. It's, it is disappointing to hear that someone feels that way with the the national team. Um, be interesting to hear if there's others out there who who have any similar feelings around it. Um, and like, yeah, like if everyone picked an Ireland team, it would be very different. If everyone picked an Ireland squad, I, I, I doubt there'd be many similar ones across the whole country. So that's what makes it fun, isn't it? The the debate and the discussion around who should, who shouldn't be in there. 
it's also interesting that we'll never know with some players like you'd love to see some guys get in and see if they could kick on Mike Haley's one who who was always mentioned to me and I'd love to see him in a, a 15 jersey for Ireland however Hugo Keenan in my opinion right now is is a, a better player and utterly deserves to be starting there every weekend for for Ireland so but some guys will never know but um I, I would just I would guess the international test coaches are watching every single minute of every single bit of action and uh, speaking to people about players and watching training sessions. I saw um, John Fogarty, who's down at Munster training uh, during the week and, and keeping a close eye on things there and even some of the younger guys as well. So they do their work, they get out, they see people up close, they speak to the provinces a lot and, and these are the, the players they pick. Yeah, and just lastly, for me on that, it's like Leinster have won every Interpol they've played this season as well. You like look at the players that Dan has mentioned in his email, for example, he sees them as marginal goals, and that's what they actually are in reality. But also, those guys probably won the vast majority of their individual battles within those games, all of which Leinster won. Like, I think three of the players that Dan mentions played in Thoman Park, for example, where Leinster weren't necessarily at full strength, but still beat a, a full strength monster in a really close game. But it's just Leinster win all of the time. Maybe I sound like I'm part of that dreaded Dublin media bubble that's kind of oh, the reality yeah. of it though isn't it the Dublin media bubble you do hear that a lot did um, you ever think when you were growing up in Waterford went on to play underage for Munster that you'd be <laughs> a member of the Dublin media bubble I suppose when I moved to Dublin I probably did yeah because that's it that is how it's seen and when you're when you're not in Dublin you probably do see it that way as well but uh, and like the other thing that is like they'd still get it wrong the international coaches probably a lot and sometimes they get away with it sometimes they don't so uh, it's not a not, not an exact science 100% thanks for your email Dan good chat uh, let's look ahead then Mark, to the weekend massive games for Munster and Toulouse let's start with Ulster we mentioned on Monday's uh, members pod that we feel as though it's not even an exaggeration to suggest that their season is on the line here because if you win and if you get through crucially it could be pretty transformative in terms of their form in terms of their outlook on the rest of the season really if you lose at home to Sale Sharks, which would make it, I think, what, eight defeats in the last nine, something along those lines, ah, geez, it could be so deflating that it could actually prove terminal to their season. You said they could get the job done when we spoke on Monday. Their team has been named since. You had mentioned on Monday as well that you would have liked to have seen Ian Madigan retain his place at out half. It's Billy Burns who uh, makes his way back into that shirt, but Nathan Doak does start alongside him. What do you make of that team, and does it change your impression at all of the game this weekend? The biggest thing that catches my eye about the team is Harry Sheridan starting at number six, having made his debut off the bench last weekend in La Rochelle, and having come from nowhere really in terms of the pecking order. So that's great to see that open-mindedness and a reward for a, a big, strong guy who definitely is a, a big prospect. He's been playing with. Uh, under Tony Smead and Trinity and, and really impressing there in the second row predominantly but we'll play at six in this game um, yeah the selection is it's strong on paper I think Ulster should have enough to to win here I know Ian Henderson is missing and after the, the couple of head injuries that's a concern for Ireland as well um, Luke Marshall and other who got injured in, in La Rochelle so they're down a couple but there's enough quality in that team and there's enough um, emotional power for them playing in Belfast and fighting for their lives that I think it should produce something more convincing I also just don't think some of the guys who haven't been informed can be as bad this time around like 
it's been jarring for some of the guys who were shooting the lights out in, in previous year, seasons or very recently even just haven't been there and uh, I think that'll improve so that's not to dismiss Sale like they're a good solid team I think Ulster gave them a lot in that hammering over there but given the fact that they can still get into knockouts and probably still need a favour even if they do win um, yeah I think Ulster will win I love it. I hope we're having a different sort of conversation about Ulster next week because I feel for the fans that it probably sounds very samesy most weeks at the moment. And I really do believe in rugby. Everything is so short term. Everything is fickle, including what we talk about for the most part. It can change in 80 minutes. Let's hope that happens uh, at home to sale this weekend. Looking at Munster and Toulouse's teams, both very strong. Probably what caught my eye mostly, and I'll obviously throw it to you as well, but like that Toulouse pack is actually disgusting. Like Willis, Ruma, <laughs> Jelange, Niafu, uh, Arnold, Aldegeri, Marchand, Bailly, bollocks anyway. So on a scale of one to 10, <laughs> one being I'm conceivably on hallucinogenic drugs, 10 being Monster fans book your hotel rooms in Dublin for the Champions Cup final. How likely is it that they can get a result against Toulouse? On Sunday, to your mind, you're you're going down to the game, of course. I'll say I'll say a seven. I kind of have a good feeling about this for Munster, and given that my predictions in the past have been so like up and down, and like I have no track record at all, I'm just going to start going with my gut instinct. I, I even think Munster could cause a shock here. Um, the last run of weeks, I've been watching a fair bit of lose, and when they when they're in their stride, they're irresistible. But they haven't always been in their stride. They've been a bit sloppy at times. Um, and listen, guys like Dupont who make each your eat your words, but um the also the fact the fact that Munster up front, obviously that you've mentioned the size, the power, the quality that Toulouse have there. But Munster this in this guys aren't just about trying to smother you. They have a different way of playing now. They they'll try and um beat you for work rate, they'll try and beat you for tempo, and that sounds crazy against Toulouse, but that's how this Munster team are trying to play now. You've got to tailor things as well, of course, but they're not just gonna be blunt force against a, a pack of that size they're going to try and play a bit they're you know lift the tempo Craig Casey continues at number nine there's exciting backs there the likes of Frisch and, and Crowley are really inventive and and the back three players are deservedly retained because of their form so I'd like to think Munster have a few little uh, surprises up their sleeve and yeah listen Toulouse are of course their favourites and they're one of the favourites for the for the competition but um I like the way Munster are trending right now. I like the sound of it. Leinster looking really strong as well to finish off their pool stage at home to Rassing. Rassing's first 15 looks strong as well, Mer. Bench probably lacking a little bit in, in depth or experience, maybe even a little bit of room flight. So it'll want to go pretty well for them over the first hour if they're going to hang with Leinster, you'd imagine. Yeah, and given that they were so bad in La Havre, there's a little bit of a motivational edge there as well just to kind of restore some face against what has been a really impressive Leinster team and there's so much in terms of Leinster trying to continue their run and improve little bits that haven't been right in the game but also for individuals making a statement a few weeks out from Six Nations for Ross Byrne at 10 to, to continue to show Andy Farrell that he's stepping to a new level Kelleher gets a start because Dan Sheen has become the man at hooker he's just got a ridiculous range of skills McCarthy, who I mentioned before as well, comes into the starting team. And and Jack Conan at number eight, who, you know, has watched Ryan Baird have that uh, surge of form in the back row and has been backing that up a little bit recently. Even Larmer, who's back in the Ireland squad as well and has good run of form. All those guys have 
have points to to make with selection just around the corner for Ireland. They're into camp on Tuesday next week, off to Portugal next Thursday, and then straight over to Cardiff from there the following Thursday. So it's really upon them. Um, and I'm excited to see Osborne go again. Like we, it's been a regular feature of the members' pods now discussing his r- array of skills and. Uh, this will be a, a class test run against uh, Fiku in particular opposite him who's a just a world class centre so really excited to see how he goes we can't take sponsorship for the members pots because it's a subscription service so it'd just be cheeky but Jamie Osborne should be sponsored with all the plugs <laughs> we give him yeah Got I don't know what their fam- well. maybe the family business could do because there's a family of good rugby players as you mentioned his younger brother is getting lots of good reviews now and there's a couple more coming as well I think so Maybe uh, the Osborne's parents can get on to us. Brown envelopes in the background, maybe. Uh, looking at Connacht away to Newcastle, they're actually looking pretty strong as well, Mer. And like all along, we've been viewing this competition through a lens of almost experimentation for Connacht, that opportunity to blood some guys who wouldn't necessarily get those frontline minutes in the URC because every game is important. Now it's um, uh, afforded Andy Friend and Pete Wilkins the chance to just have lads a little bit more ripe for the run-in where they're going to need a, you know, a broader palette of players, let's say. And yet I, I kind of forgot that, you know, win tomorrow with a bonus point. Uh, and if Cardiff or Toulon slip up, then they have home knockouts for the run-in in the Challenge Cup, which could prove very, very useful. It would be unbelievable for them to win a trophy. It would just give such... Uh, a shot in the arm to everyone around the province to like obviously it wouldn't be quite on the scale of the Pro 12 and what they did under Pat Lamb but you saw the joy and the inspiration that served as I think for for everyone and um, yeah it would be, be amazing to see looking at their team I think it's great to see Mac Hansen at 15 again I, I really think he has a future there and, and offers a really nice option there um, and again Bundyaki's not in the team like he's available as we just said Six Nations is really upon us and Robbie Henshaw is not in the squad through injury. So Aki obviously needs minutes, but he's not getting them. He's not being picked. Birch gave great insight into that on, on Monday in the pod. And it'll be really interesting to see how this concludes or whether it just is smoothed over and, and they move on. It's very clear that Ireland and Bundy have, a, you know, they're rock solid. They really regard him. He's obviously, we know he's a brilliant international level centre, but it's it's not great at the moment with, with Connacht and... Um, you know, it's denying him a chance to get a bit of rhythm on the pitch before the Six Nations. Have you been reading the Connacht Tribune today, Mark? You sent me the link. You did. You did. Um, which was interesting. The mention of Munster. I think I've heard. I think I heard that maybe. Or was it Mac Hansen maybe last year? There was. There's. There's often rumors around Connacht players and and Munster. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't sound like a a great situation at the moment. And um, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to hear. Or maybe we won't hear of, of how it concludes or how they get on top of that but um, it's really just jarring seeing Bundyaki not being in the 23 again it is let's hope Connick get the job done without him and he may be involved then with a, a tasty looking knockout stage run we will be back on Monday with Birch looking back over all of those games in uh, pretty significant detail all of them important in their own right more safe trip on your way to Toulouse in the meantime cheers boss have a good one you too. Thanks everybody for listening as well. It's members.the42.e if you want to join us on Monday as well as midweek. And don't forget as well, for all of you members out there, there'll be post-match in, uh, interviews, excuse me, post-match podcasts around the Six Nations, loads of stuff will be ramping up significantly. So 
members.the42.ie if you want to get on board. Mind yourselves, have a great weekend, everybody. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass.